Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash Wondery, code Wondery. This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast number 509. Thank you so much if you came out to WonderCon. Well, thanks if you came to WonderCon. And then thanks if you came to any of the Nerdist stuff at WonderCon. Uh, We did... uh, some panels. Uh, we did a really fun panel on Sunday. We did a Nerdist News panel on Saturday. Uh, we had a booth. There were signings. We shot stuff there, shows for the channel. Uh, it it was all super, super amazing, and, and I think we're starting to get to a point where we're establishing some presences at uh, at cons that I feel like this is we're finally getting there. So thank you so much uh, if you came out and supported that. The, our panel on Sunday was beyond fun people actually showed up you was worried i was worried that people are like meh but people actually showed up so thank you for not saying meh and if you did i still love you uh, i'm gonna be doing stand-up at a bunch of places and we're gonna be doing at midnight on the road go to nerdist.com slash calendar uh mid-may will be in nashville for the wild west comedy festival and at the end of may wise guys in uh utah Right there in West Valley, the West Valley City. So going back there was there last year, and then Portland in June, and then Tacoma in September. So nerdist.com/calendar get tickets for all that business. I'd like to thank Audible.com for sponsoring this episode of the Nerdist Podcast. Audible, if you've listened to an audiobook, there's a very good chance that it came from Audible. It is a leading provider of premium digital spoken audio information and entertainment on the whole of the internet. They have over 150,000 titles. Um, and listen, if, you are, if you're in between podcasts and you're like, well, now I would like to hear someone uh, read a story from start to finish that they probably wrote, then Audible is a good way to go. For instance, in honor of this guest on this episode, which I'm very excited about, you could say, hey, maybe I'll go uh, listen to Up Till Now, the autobiography of William Shatner, read by William Shatner. Maybe I'll listen to Shatner Rules, your key to understanding the Shatnerverse and the world at large. Read by William Shatner. Those are on audible.com. So uh, here, here's your here's your offer. Here's your Nerdist listener offer. You're going to get a free audiobook and 30-day trial today by signing up at audiblepodcast.com slash Nerdist. So you're not going to audible.com. You're going to audiblepodcast.com slash Nerdist. Again, that's for a free audiobook, a 30-day trial. Thanks to Audible for supporting the Nerdist Podcast. This episode is William Shatner, and I had no idea what to expect. I've never met Shatner before. I I, just, I didn't know. And so I guess in my brain I thought, well, you know, I'll show up. He'll probably be cordial, but he'll there'll probably be some air that he is aware that he is William Shatner. And I was so wrong. Not at all. William Shatner was so down-to-earth and wonderful and warm and had so many great stories. I'm just giving you a heads up. We really didn't talk about Star Trek because I figured – 
He's probably talked about Star Trek enough. Uh, we talked about um, adulthood and responsibility and philosophy and sort of what makes people tick. And uh, it was – I was so blown away by the conversation with him. He was such a terrific guy. And afterwards, Jonah even said to me, like, holy shit, that was really – that was fascinating, and and I also feel like it went pretty well because he hugged me afterwards, and it wasn't like an obligatory hug. It was like it felt like a genuine. He had really he had a really great time being there. So uh, I've been super excited to put this one up. I hope you enjoy it as much as as we enjoyed um, being a part of it. But I was really just trying to I was mining him for knowledge and really trying to learn. Um, I mean. Bill's 83, but he, you would never, I mean, he seems, the guy seems like he's in his 60s, so whatever you're doing, Bill, it's working. I hope it's okay I call you Bill. Uh, by the way, you should know that his one-man show, Shatner's World, is in select theaters April 24th. It's a special engagement, which will be shown in more than 630 theaters on uh, Thursday, April 24th. And it's basically Shatner on stage that sort of walks through the story of his life and career. Uh, if you go to shatnersworld.com, you can get information about that. So here you go, the Nerdist Podcast number 509 with William Shatner. Now entering... Nerdist.com <laughs> you've that done, you've done your research. That was in the back. <laughs> yeah, go, go get your coffee yeah, in the back. I hope you're cool. Uh, well, <laughs> as long as it doesn't have any stimulants in it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. It's just uh, straight meth, um, liquefied. How did, how did you get it? <laughs> it, was, of, uh, it was brought by one of our staff. Yeah, that's beautiful. I'm taking credit for something I had really nothing to do it's with. Right. I walked it from there. Somebody to needs to take the credit because I appreciate it. No, yeah. you're so welcome. I appreciate the Finally, that credit. I do. Yeah. Hey, it's really great to meet you. We've sort of tweeted back and forth a little bit, but never actually met in person. You know, we were talking about the, the quality. Are we on? We are on. We, uh, the, the, uh, the qualities of tweeting and Facebook as against Instagram, is it? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Vine. Yep. And... How, uh, uh, what seems to be happening is that everybody's ability to concentrate is getting less and less. So now, instead of 148 characters, you focus on that, it's now to six seconds. Yeah. (laughs) And and the Instagram is one picture, right? Yeah. So there used to be a test, uh, fighter pilots would get a test, they'd flash the silhouette of the enemy fighter plane on a screen for an instant so that they were training their eyes to get a flash of the of the plane so they would recognize friend or foe. So it was an instant. It was like milli, milliseconds. So is that what's going to happen on Instagram? You flash a picture, and then it's a, and that's the limit. And, and then you can't get any less than that because after that, your mind is disintegrated. Yeah. It's, <laughs> <laughs> then after that, reality begins to turn in on itself. But, you, but kids can identify now how quickly if someone has a picture of their cat right. or... Right. Uh, or it's, it's, it's the old fighter pilot thing. Flash it on, get it off, yeah. and, and train your minds to recognize instantly friend or foe, which is uh, somebody in your next class. Or, uh, I'm, already, I'm already scared. 
scared of just the idea that you know that kids are training with um, you know essentially uh, like iPads and and tablets and that their 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 brains are already being trained. Well, but so much not, only, not only is it being trained from my own personal experience last night. Mm-hmm. I'm out with my daughter and my and my and a number of family members. My granddaughter, one of my granddaughters, she's eight. Okay. And uh, she's not interested in carrying on a conversation. <laughs> what she wants is the iPhone to play a game. Sure. So already at eight years old, they're being trained. Their mind is being trained not to have any relationship, but to go into the computer yeah. and, and find out uh, what life is like out of the computer. And the problem is that no one really knows what the long-term psychological effects to this are because it's so relatively, it's so new. It's this year. So we have yeah. no idea what this generation, of, I mean, some theories are that, that, that tomorrow's adults will be slightly less empathetic because they're not relating to people one-on-one. Yeah. Well, well, but you're conditioning that by saying slightly less. <laughs> <laughs> they have no empathy whatsoever. I mean, it, 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 if you're saying... You know, I love you. Yeah. And you text, I love you. Yeah. There's a great poem. How, how do I love you? Let me count the ways. Sure. There are so many ways to say I love you. Yeah. And But the only one way to, to text it. ILU. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so you can even abbreviate. Or a little heart emoticon. Or, uh, emoticon, yeah. yeah. Or, or uh, and, and then right after that, LOL. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't love you at all. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and as quickly as that upturn emoticon is, yes. uh, you get the downturn emoticon. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's so. all, uh, ah, kids. These goddamn kids. No, but, but it isn't, right? I mean, who's listening to this program a podcast yeah you know uh a short time ago it was a radio show mm-hmm. and now it's a podcast yeah where you get it from a vendor like uh apple yeah i've never heard of that and so what seems to be very common for you and the people who are listening is like that's a whole new world out there and and i've got to get with it or not sure and I have to get with it because I've got a message to deliver. Yeah. Uh, I've got to get the people who are listening to this podcast to tell them without uh, w- without writing it uh, so that they get it in cold textual things. Yeah. But in an emotional uh, statement to say, if you want to have a good time, uh, do this thing I'm planning. Well, but you but you also, you've em- you embrace technology Pretty pretty quickly. Uh, absolutely, but the technology escapes you. It's like trying to grasp mercury or whatever it is that squeezes out of you, whatever squeezes out of your hand. <laughs> <laughs> you can't you can't grasp it. You don't sooner say, "Oh, I got a t- uh, uh, Twitter," and like I'm twittering. Yeah, it's. Twitter's gone, and something else is taking its place. <laughs> I think. I think. I, some, I was having this conversation with someone else recently about, um, you know, like new social networks emerging, and but but I think there was the boom in like two thousand four, two thousand two thousand three to two thousand five, where people were just discovering what a social network was, and so there were a lot of them turning over quickly. But now I feel like people are so rooted in Facebook and Twitter that I do think eventually something will come along to replace it. But I do think that. So many people are like us and go, ah, crap, I don't feel like starting all over again somewhere else. But you've got to start all over again. Look, some while ago, five, six, seven years ago, I um, 
whatever you call it, uh, got the copyright for a title mm-hmm. on a web title, mm-hmm. whatever that's called. Yeah. I, I did an, uh, what, what is it? You the, did a the DNS search? You did the, like the URL search, the domain well, search? Well, I, I bought it. You bought the domain. I bought domain. There yeah. you go. I bought the domain uh, to uh, uh, a site called My, I, I named it My Outer Space. And I was going to have science fiction uh, uh, blogs or whatever what blogs were then, conversations, My Outer Space. So it dwindled along, and it didn't go so well, and uh, we, we got it up, and it started out very well, and it hasn't finished as well as I would like. <laughs> the main reason, I think, is My Outer Space was really a good title because MySpace was very popular. Oh, yeah, yeah. But now MySpace doesn't exist, <laughs> so my outer space doesn't exist, and and all it, it changes so rapidly. Can I, I make would, a suggestion, please? My Facebook, Facebook. Yeah, yeah, I like it. No, nope. uh, no, no. It took me a second. Okay, but, sorry. Okay, sorry. well then, fine. That's not a good idea, Jonah. <laughs> well, my Facebook being my my, my uh, being a. Basically, just aping Facebook instead of MySpace. Uh, Facebook, yeah. yeah my my Spacebook. 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 <laughs> That's a really good idea. Sp- uh, <laughs> Get rid of the mic. Be- by the time this is broadcast, I'll done. have it. Yeah. <laughs> you just bought it. <laughs> have you done podcasts before? Well, I thought I was. Uh, there have been many conversations I've had with people who were uh, typing on a on a computer, and people would a- ask questions, and I would answer questions uh, based on the the conversation on a computer. I thought that was called uh, a blog. Mm-hmm. Or there were conversations with people that were writing, and you were, in effect, communicating with them, not on a microphone, mm-hmm. and not sometime later where you purchase it from Apple, but it was ha- it was like happening. Yeah. That, I thought, was what blogs are. Yeah. And then I find, coming here, that blogs, I, I try to grasp blogs, yep. and whatever it is that squeezes out of your hand, <laughs> blogs are no longer blogs. I think it's a blog. No, no these, are, these audio podcasts, are so, the problem is, there was an explosion of blogs, and then at a certain point, I think normal people were just like, oh, I don't feel like having, you have to write this every day? What a pain in the ass. And that's why... You know, Twitter and status updates are called microblogging because you're essentially just spitting out short, which is much more manageable for people in All a right, day. So, so then let me understand you. Then the Twitter and I do is mm-hmm. is a, a micro. They call blog. it microblogging. Yeah. And this is a macro blog. This, this technically could be a macro blog. That's true. Nano blogging would just be yeah. right. <laughs> right. A, 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 a sound ah. that needs to be recognized. <laughs> that's, yes. it, that's all it is. Right. But I feel like your personality, you, I, it's, I feel like you could host your own podcast. Because I really loved the Raw Nerve show. Yeah, I thought that was a Nerve really cool show. See, yeah. I love to talk to people, and I love to find out about them. And, and, and that curiosity uh, uh, is really what conversation is all about. And that's what was uh, Raw Nerve. And there was another show that lasted a short while uh, called uh, Aftermath. And that, too, was delving into people's psyche. Mm-hmm. Uh, aftermath was some event that happened three, four, five years ago that was in the newspapers and in the news. Everyone, what was that? And now, what was the aftermath? What's happened since then yeah. when it's all passed? Yeah. Uh, not a novel idea, but, but in my hands, I went into famous uh, cases and got the people on camera and talked to them long enough so that they 
either out of fatigue or empathy, <laughs> they broke down and, and there were things that were said that were enormous. Yeah. And the same thing on, uh, and thank you for bringing it up, Ron Nerve. Nerve. Yeah. I would have these conversations, which we could edit down to 22 minutes, but it might have taken an hour. And, and, and it was fascinating to find out what was in somebody's mind who either was unknown mm-hmm. or was a celebrity. And in one case came back to me and said, listen, I told you a story. I, I, I don't want you to use it. And I didn't use it. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah. What was the story? Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, and let me tell you the story. <laughs> <laughs> they said they didn't want it on Ron Durk. Cut out there. Yeah. Didn't say anything about the podcast, though. <laughs> right. But a, a guy said, don't use it. And I said, okay. I mean, I understood that. And the reason I was able to get such interesting answers was because they knew that I wasn't out to get that story. Yeah, exactly. Which is what most everybody else would want. Oh, I got that story. Well, yeah, because the one, the, the one that I remember, and then I, I saw a video of you talking about it afterwards, was you said you've had a million conversations with Leonard Nimoy, and he told one story that you'd never heard before, exactly. and you were completely blown away. You're exactly. like, how have I never heard this and story? And that story was, exactly. His grandfather was a leather worker, and every time Leonard came home uh, to Boston from, uh, from being uh, out in the wilds of, uh, of Los Angeles and, and company, He'd come home, and his grandfather sitting beside him, his hands, his grandfather's hands, would go to his shoes, and he would feel the leather and see whether the soles were good or the heels were worn, and he'd know whether Leonard was doing well or oh, not. Oh, wow. Is that a great story? <laughs> That's really cool. And Leonard said, I haven't thought of that in, uh, since it happened. I mean, you must feel, at this point, just having, <laughs> having sat in the interview e-chair as many times as you have, that... I mean, is there pretty much, have you pretty much told everything that's in your head at this point a million times? No, no, no. See, now, now I'm going to take that as my cue. Okay. There's a whole new thing that's happening. When was the last time you were able to use the word unique? Long time. Yeah. Okay. So a unique event is going to happen on April 24th. And I asked the, uh, uh, the, the people who are putting it on, uh, Fathom uh, Events, uh, whether I could use the word unique. Is this unique? Yes, this is unique. <laughs> so on April 24th, at movie theaters all across the country, so whoever's listening to this, I'm sure there is one or many movie theaters that are going to have this one-man show that I did on Broadway and I did on tour mm-hmm. uh, for the last couple of years, is is a movie. I had it filmed. I, I filmed it uh, at a matinee and evening performance one day. And it is now essentially that live performance at a movie theater somewhere near your neighborhood. It's called Shatner's World. Mm-hmm. And you can get to, to find out how to buy tickets at shatnersworldcinema.com. As simple as that. So all this is, to me, uh, an event. I mean, uh, uh, and unique event. First of all, it's a movie of the one-man show, which got great critical acclaim. It's a web of words that engages you uh, in laughter and in tears and joy and, and uh, hate and music and motorcycles. <laughs> and it goes on, and horses and, and love. You know, it just goes on. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a terrific evening in, in the theater. And it'll be at your movie theater. In addition to that, I'm doing publicity in Areas that I've rarely visited before, for example, right here, mm-hmm. doing a blog to tell people that this event is happening. Because 
one half of the job is doing the performance. Sure. And the other half, as we all know in show business, but many people in the hinterlands don't know, the other half is getting you folks out there to know that this event is happening and you should go see it because it'll be a, a terrific evening's entertainment for a very reasonable uh, price. Do you enjoy this part of, I mean, it, you know, in the, in the, in the pre-internet days, essentially a studio or a large machine would say, well, Bill, here's this thing, we did this thing, and now here are all the places you're going to go, and now you basically are in charge of all of that, essentially, right? You are, you are sort of the master of that domain now. But Do you that, like that role? That's exactly right. In, uh, in uh, a not-so-long-ago time, and it still happens, I'm seeing some of these big blockbuster movies with the crew, the cast going out and doing... Uh, all the talk shows mm-hmm. and and uh, saying this is what's happening. In my mind, there is a a question as to how much good that really does, because you'll find big stars going out and the movie fails, and then you'll go find a movie that really makes a sensation and nobody's gone out. Right. So there used to be a thought that there was a scent, a smell of a hit. And, 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 and why that would be the case, nobody could tell. Uh, and, and vast amounts of publicity re- really didn't make a great deal of difference. But there's reason to think that a blog like this reaches more people on a personal basis than all the talk shows and the, and the uh, uh, things that people are doing, the, 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 the tabloid things that people are doing, uh, that this may be more effective. This is a more personal uh, way. And in the same way with Twittering, I have a lot of people following me. To Twitter that message is to say, hey, this is coming from my heart. Something really good is happening. You may like it. I, I, I wish you would take a look. Well, yeah. I mean, I think the quality of the uh, podcast listener is probably a little bit um, more engaged than just someone who's just flipping channels and catches a talk show. Oh, yeah, you know, there's not really... But, you know, this is a very intimate form. Like, I listen to podcasts, you listen to you You put it in your ear. It, fo- you follow, it follows you around throughout the day. You form a connection to it. I think, I think that's what it See, is. See, that's so interesting. I hadn't thought of that. I mean, I'm thinking uh, somebody's listening in through the radio, or, but they're not. They've plugged their ears into their head. Into their head. We're part let of the matrix. Tell, let me tell you a story okay. uh, uh, about that, uh, about that very intimate fact. And I never saw it before. I mean, I'm coming to all this technology. I'm supposed to be a technologist, and I really am. But to see it insightfully. So I'm shooting a movie. The, the start of it is I have an a, a iPod. Mm-hmm. And I want to fill it with music. I know this is illegal, but I did it a long time ago. So you, you know, I've served <laughs> statute of limitations. Sir, you're good. <laughs> so somebody, said, I said, I, I don't have the music. They said, Oh, I've got four thousand songs. I'll download it into your iPod. Okay, so they downloaded their four thousand songs. Didn't occur to me at the time, but I now have this person's musical soul mm-hmm. in that I'm making my soul. You can judge This is them. now my, my music. That's right. Okay? So now I'm shooting late at night. I'm in Las Vegas shooting at night uh, a film. And there's something about shooting at night that is very lonely and very uh, isolated in that 
things move more slowly at night. The crew is tired. The cast is tired. Everything it moves. So you're, you're and you're and certain actors can get a, a dressing room, and so you're alone in your dressing room. It's three o'clock in the morning. Okay, and I'm all alone. I got to stay awake because I'm going to be called. I don't know when. I can't fall asleep. So I plug this iPod in of an unknown music, and I'm flipping through it, and I see the White Album, the Beatles mm-hmm. White, White Album. And I never... The Beatles were sort of, to me, simplistic. You know, I, I got it, but... Hey, Jid, hey, Jid, hey, Jid. Okay. What the heck? Okay, and I try to write songs, and I'm thinking, hey, Jude, hey, Jude, I could write that. Okay. Okay, so now I plug in the White Album, and the sound is in my head. It's being riveted into my head, the White Album. Yeah. And I hear the little tinkles and the little, the incidental pieces of orchestration that I never heard before. And suddenly I'm saying, hey, wait a minute. The Beatles, I get it. <laughs> this is like last year. <laughs> you guys check out these Beatles? Pretty good. I exactly. They yeah. They're actually so right. that, that now I suddenly get the podcast. You're you're the the two ends of the of the earphones are like equidistant from the center of your brain. That's right. So Excuse the word beaming, yeah. but it's beaming into the center of your brain sure. and radiating out into all your synapses. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So you're flooded with this thing. It's like you're there. You're, yeah. th- but you're more than there. You're in there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm so glad. I'm so glad that the iPod turned you around on the Beatles. <laughs> what was so in the '60s? What, what what would have been Shatner's playlist then? What would you have listened? What instead of the Beatles, you're like ah, the Beatles ah. What what would you I was to? into jazz, the great jazz. I was into Sinatra. Yeah, you know all the. Uh, I I I didn't have esoteric music tastes. I wasn't brought up in a house with music, but I've always admired. The trained voice, and I tried for a while uh, doing uh, uh, operatic uh, exercises. I was with a, a, a singing teacher for a short time. Mm-hmm. I regret not sticking with it, but I got too busy and I couldn't get. And I wanted to play the guitar, and as uh, the guitar and singing, that seemed to me to be like like Nirvana. Yeah, but I never achieved it. So I tried to get to it by since I knew the musicality of words. And the rhythm of words, I tried to get to it in that way. Mm-hmm. So that the melody playing behind me and my playing uh, counter... Like Rocket rhythmic. Man. Yeah. Well, Rocket Man was an accident. You know, it wasn't supposed to be... I didn't do that with enough forethought. That was just... That wasn't supposed to be broadcast. That was like at a closed... Uh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. No, no. It was done... There was an award for something. Yeah. Some science fiction award. Yeah. Uh, they asked me to sing that song. So I thought, Rocket, Rock, It, Man, Rocket Man. Yeah. And then there was a third interpretation. So there was three ways of doing it. So I tried all three ways, you know, and then I did Sinatra with a... But I was just playing it up yeah. for an enclosed audience. And all of a sudden, it's out there. I, 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 it wasn't supposed to be broadcast. One of the first viral hits, yeah. you might say. Absolutely. Had I been able to do it, 
had I given it more thought and more, uh, you know, had I tried for more excellence, uh, I would have done it a little differently. But then you did it with uh, the ben, when Ben Folds produced your album. Uh, then I did it with deliberation. Yeah, with that's ben a great Fold. album. I was just like, before I even knew okay. you were going to be on this show, yeah. I was listening to that record last week. Okay, yeah. so then I got a chance to do it again, okay? And, and then I did it with, uh, with some artistry, if you will. Uh, but I got to music with people like Ben Folds and Billy Sherwood on an album that's out there now uh, called Ponder the Mystery. Mm -hmm. Um, I got to music through the back door and and became, I appreciated symphonic music and and great jazz. I'd go to see that, but, and Sinatra with his, with his sense of timing and his, uh, and his sophistication uh, always intrigued me. But rock and roll, I never got until I did rock and roll. And then I said, wait a minute. Rock and roll is energy. Rock and roll is this. <laughs> yeah. This has rock and roll. <laughs> yeah. Wow, I didn't know that. I just thought, wow, that's loud. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when I was listening to Sinatra and, and rock and roll came in, I thought, wow, I don't want to hear that. That's, that's ugly. Until I began to understand it. And, and I went through a transition, I guess, that is an interesting part of allowing yourself to be malleable, and it's exactly what we're talking about, uh, about technology. It also applies to anything, including music, changing your tastes in music, allowing yourself to at least be curious about what is that kid listening to and why. Rap, 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 what? But if you get into rap which i did really yeah what do you like I, well no no it isn't that i did a rap number with uh, a, a rapper uh are you kyle do you know you know everything about everything i did a rap on shakespeare mark anthony's speech <laughs> okay <laughs> lend me your ears i uh, uh, no tears f- uh, for caesar was the name of the song and a rapper I'm trying to remember his name. Some years ago, uh, we wrote the song together. He said, what is, what he said to me in a darkened room with everybody puffing away. Okay. (laughs) In a typical studio adventure that I'd never been in, start to write a rap song about, about Julius Caesar and Mark Antony over Shakespeare play. Wow. Uh, I was doing a movie and we needed a song. And that was the song. Oh, uh, <laughs> was it no fun? tears for Caesar. It was hysterical because this was the the kid who was writing it turned out to be like a, a great poet. I mean, there was poetry in what he was choosing his words with the exactness of a poet. The kind of thing that I think of myself, like words, are the paint are the are, are the medium yeah. that a painter might use in in colors. Sure. You choose the exact. If you can, the exact right word, which explains implicitly what it is you're trying to convey. So that if the Eskimos have 13 words for snow, that they choose out of those 13 words the exact description of what the snow is like today. Yeah. And that's what poets should be doing with the English language. And apropos of April 24th, 
Shatner's world at movie theaters, <laughs> I tried to select in the whole hour and a half to two hours the exact right word to convey the meaning. I, I Oh, no, go ahead. Sorry. You know, I'm just saying, this rap artist, whom you would sort of discount as, an, as a poet, was a poet. Mm-hmm. And so these guys are. And you just have to get into the... Not only do you have to get into the music, but you have to get into the their flow, their emotional background, so that you understand where they're coming from and what the words mean to them. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's a very important lesson for people because I already... I'm very closed off to new, like, oh, I don't want to listen to that new. It's, I like what I like already. Because I think that's when people start to just wither. It's like they just kind of sort of hold on to a time period, and then they don't it's want to the way they cut it. their hair, the, what they're, the way they dress. Yeah. It's all old-fashioned. You see women with the same, you can tell what era they're from by the <laughs> style of their hair many times. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well... Do you, uh, do you, when did you, were you always that way or did no. you at a certain, no, you aren't. No, I, it's almost, you have to force feed yourself. You have to say, wait a minute. If that, it's usually young people who are in the forefront of change, uh, whether it's schooling or, or music or, or different kinds of plays or movies for that matter, anything. Anything, anything that, that jostles the human psyche, it's usually the young people who are in the forefront. Mm-hmm. They're leading the revolution, whether it's political or, or cultural, because they want change. And change is what is normal and what, strangely enough, we all resist. <laughs> maybe that's part of our, maybe, maybe that's a biological imperative that gets us out of the way so that the young people can inherit. But that's exactly right. The kids are... That's why we came out of the tree. You can't imagine some old guy with a bad back climbing out of the tree. I'm here. I'm happy here. I'm staying in... <laughs> I got a bow. <laughs> I'm not moving. And, and this young kid with a, with a short tail is jumping down out there. Hey, look at me. I'm running in the savannah. Get off my tree lawn. <laughs> but that's exactly right. And, and that's, that is the imperative. Get out of the way, you who are over 20 or 25, because you're dead. You no longer can, can um, uh, have uh, children, uh, healthy children. I'm the next, I, 13, 14 years old, I'm due for the children. Uh, the, 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 the racial imperative is I'm due to be pregnant, Yeah. Uh, and, and this young guy is going to make me pregnant, yeah. and anybody over 25 is, is dead. <laughs> <laughs> And those Shit. of us over 25 say, wait a minute. Like, you know, well, what was you... that about the Beatles? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, when, you're young, when you're young, you say a lot of ignorant things like, by the time I'm 30, it's over. Yeah, and then you get to yeah. 30 and you're like, wait, 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 wait. Yeah, yeah. It's not that bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's not that bad. That's but, exactly right. But you give me hope because, uh, you know, you, you, you've had many iterations of, uh, of career and things that you've done and things that you've tried and, you know. And, uh, you know, this is the, the last couple of years of my life is the first time that I've ever said, like, yeah, there's an end point. It's not just this. How old are you? 42. So it's not this, you know, endless, like, eventually there is, a, a, you know. But, but then I get to look to people like you and go, yeah, but, you know, Shander's been, there, there were some things you didn't even start until you were, like, 60 years old. So it makes me feel better. It makes me feel a lot better. Where do I find comfort? <laughs> 
you find comfort in the fact that you're William fucking Shatner and you're, you cannot, you will not die and you cannot be killed by conventional I means. You cannot die. No. <laughs> I've got too much to do. Where do I fucking go? What did George Burns say? What did George Burns say? Yeah. I, I can't die. I'm booked. Yeah, I can't yeah. die. <laughs> I know. And that guy smoked cigars every day and ate red meat every day and yeah. drank, you know, like. Uh, he lived. He lived. Yeah. He lived forever. Yeah, exactly. Um, so what is it that you like about, because you said earlier you said, I really like talking to people. I really like uncovering stories. So where, when you're in the process of doing that, like what is it that sort of activates your brain to uncover stuff about people? Well, it's the truth. It's the truth of what you are. Uh, you, uh, you and I don't know each other. We're sitting across at a microphone. I, I just met you just now. Mm-hmm. But you've got keys in front of you. Yep. What are they keys to? Uh, this is a car. Office, is it a good car? House. You like your car? It's a snazzy car. Yeah, it's a snazzy it's a car. Sna- snazzy Did you car. save up to buy? I mean, is it like? Uh, uh, it, was there some sacrifice involved in getting the car? No. <laughs> <laughs> was it well, pure I mean, in the, in the pure luxury? Are you making a great deal of money and you could afford the car? Yes, but 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 it was sort of that. <laughs> I, I find that it isn't so much about having the car, but just that moment of I've worked all these years, and there was a time where. I got this thing, and the thing itself, the acquisition of the thing wasn't really the most important factor. It was just the fact that it sort of, I got to say like, oh, I've worked really hard, and now I can, without blinking, just treat myself Reward thing. yourself. And I'm not really that precious about the car. It's a fucking car. Like, it's, you know, whatever. It, I don't care if it got, if, if a safe fell on it, I'd be like, well, it's a car. I don't, you know, I don't care. But, but it's what it represents. I think it just sort of represents, you know, that... I, I worked for years and years and years and years and years, and then finally, you know, okay. this is... Okay, so you market. used that phrase several times. Yeah. You've used the, 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 the phrase, I've worked years and years yes, and years, yes, yes, and yes. I've got myself rewarded. Yes. So there was, so therein lies the story, which we can either go into or okay. not, but this is the, I asked you about the car, but what's really revealed is the sense that you've, you've sacrificed sure. a great deal, and you've rewarded yourself. Not rewarded yourself with love or a, or, 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 or a relationship, right? Okay. Oh, okay. Man. So, so there you see the insight into raw nerve. Well, but we, we go to raw nerve right there, which we could do, but we're on a different block. Senator, one moment, Senator. I would like to. Um, you asked about the car. I guess I could have said, "Well, this is the key to my girlfriend's apartment." I did mention the. But no, but that, but you didn't, and that's significant. <laughs> That's why you should have a podcast. You would crush it. You would crush it with a podcast. That's fantastic. And so, you, I mean, I know it's always it's always fun to have people on that you don't know, or maybe people you know, and then you there was a whole other side of them that you didn't understand. I love when people talk about what they're excited about. Well, you see, we all laughed because uh, there was a truth in what I observed. Yeah. Right. And I saw the truth, too, and you did. We all recognized the truth. So out of that came laughter, but really interesting laughter. That was the laughter of, wow, that was the truth. A, a chord, a musical chord in our being was hit mm-hmm. in that moment, evoked laughter, yeah. which was the music of our soul, yeah. right? So, because a truth was hit. A poetic truth was hit right in this little moment. I love that. That made me... To hear you guys laugh made me so happy. <laughs> oh, good. Okay? So I was with you in the laughter. Yeah. And, and that's like everything. My girlfriend's going to be upset, but this was great. 
Um, <laughs> were you always uh, funny, or did did you did you develop a sense of humor over time? Well, I think I probably was funny. Uh, I always liked to make, like make people laugh. It's le- making people laugh is both intuitive and learned. Um, I saw my granddaughter, the same one who was uh, fiddling with the phone, uh, try and get into the comedic situation. Uh, the, let me see if I can remember. It was uh, very uh, the idea the, uh, of the of the amusing moment we were telling her was I was serious, 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 and then suddenly turned not serious. Uh-huh. Okay, it was that abrupt change uh, that makes uh, that is amusing from time to time. So she said, "Oh, you mean uh, yeah, yeah, yeah?" And then I was she was trying to do the comedy moment. But she didn't have it. She understood the principles involved. Right. But she, she didn't... She understood the tonal shift. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But she couldn't do it because she's eight years old. Right. Or, or she hadn't seen it before. So once she... Because she's a very intellectual young lady, once she saw the principles involved, there'll become a time when she'll be able to do it. So it'll be a learned comedic response. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, but in order to grasp the comedy, she intellectually grasped it she wasn't technically able to do it, but she can learn to do that. So maybe that's what happened to me. I understood the comedic principles involved intuitively, and then it just takes time to hone that. So to tell a joke and get the timing at the, uh, or, or in conversation to somehow, you don't even think of it because you haven't got time to think. It's, it's out of your mouth before you can, before you can think about it. Yeah. And that's honed, I think. I think a stand-up comic who works... Uh, and which is why the guys doing uh, uh, talk shows at night are all still going out doing stand-up because the wit is honed. It's there. Not only do you have standard responses, but somehow the rapier of your wit is is uh, sharpened by doing it. Yeah. So if I'm in a podcast, if I'm doing this today and something else tomorrow. My my brain is working at a little different level than my granddaughter's. Of course. Yeah. Um, do you? Uh, I, 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 if you've talked about this a million times, I apologize, but I have to ask you about it. But Twilight Zone is one of my favorite shows of all time. Can you just give me a taste of what that was like to work on that production? What was the production like? What was Rod Serling like? I, I have no background. About any of I, I just did a, a symposium with uh, Rod Serling's daughter, who's written a book, apparently. Uh, I haven't read it uh, on her, her father. And, uh, and I was asking her more about her father than she was asking me about my relationship. Because he was, uh, from what I understand, he was, from, uh, he was kind of a cold... He was removed, totally. Yeah. And I had worked with him in live television. I had worked with him uh, in some of the live television shows that he and uh, uh, John... Uh, John... Uh, uh, director, uh, oh God, he, he's dead now, but um, I'll think of it in a second. Um, so there was a, a whole coterie of people led by Rod Serling, uh, who produced and wrote, who did a lot of the latter-day live television, which then everybody went from New York to Los Angeles mm-hmm. and started to do film. People like uh, 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 writers like uh, Richard Matheson and, mm-hmm. and that whole group of uh, science fiction writers that uh, uh, begat all kinds of wonderful hits. So Rod Serling was in the middle of that, and he was the he was the focal point uh, of all that. But actors didn't really get to see him. 
So I didn't know him very well. I, I, I had met him earlier on the live television, went to Los Angeles to do those two shows, didn't see much of him, have no real memory of him. But speaking to his daughter, I find out he was a paratrooper. Did you know that? I did know that, actually. Yeah, I saw a little biography on him because I, I knew nothing about him. I knew, I, I knew not. Yeah. And he was very funny. He was a great father. He took his kids out, uh, or certainly his daughter out, uh, on fun. Uh, his, her memory of her father is not of the Rod Serling we know, but of the warm-hearted, loving father that oh, apparently good. he oh, was. Oh, wow. good. I'm glad to hear that. Isn't that interesting? Because for some reason, I, I thought that he was... Uh... I thought he was one of those like um, impenetrable genius types, like the Peter Sellers type or the Johnny Carson type, where it, no one else gets in. Like they're just kind of locked in their own, yeah. you know, super private. Especially at those in those days. Now everyone is open about everything, but in those days, people were very like guarded, and you know, there was a wall of defense between. Well, I don't, I don't know whether I don't know whether uh, I agree with the the uh, proposition that people were more closed. 20 years ago than they are today in view of the fact we're talking earlier about yeah. the, about the electronic communication. Um, no, but there were, there's a, I would guess there was a psychological reason for a lot of performers, uh, like Johnny Carson, uh, who are closed off, uh, personally and professionally, uh, right there, like uh, like your best friend. Yeah, uh, and I knew he wasn't mine. Uh, back <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but uh, there, there may, maybe it's a conservation of energy. Maybe there's a basic shyness. I know, I know, Johnny was shy uh, to a large extent. Uh, Serling, who knows what happened to him as a paratrooper, but that. Uh, apparently, with his family, he was open and unguarded. Uh, but if more people than I have said we didn't know him very well, that's the truth. I remember some of the stuff on the set. I remember this Czechoslovakian acrobat who was in a furry suit. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I remember dimly thinking, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> What's that about the Beatles? <laughs> How could this Czechoslovakian acrobat in a furry suit be on the wing and have any reality whatsoever? But something happened in both the shows I did, and I don't fully understand it. Maybe you have a better understanding from being more objective than I. But some universal is plumbed in both the shows that I was in. One, of a guy in a small town getting a fortune mm -hmm. uh, read, and the other, a guy on an airplane with a little furry person on the wing uh, staring at him. Uh, something in the psyche of people watching is, is hit by those two shows, and the reason they remain popular. Well, yeah, particularly in the 60s and the 70s, which, you know, like you're in the jet age, it's like all, all the 70s are... Well, of course, it's where Airplane came from, all those airport tragedies. Airport 77, airport yeah. this, you know, like everything was... Because it was so much a part of um, the fabric of culture of like, oh, this we're in this era now where this is a thing that everyone experiences. So, you know, television does what television does very well, which is 
what happened if that all went to shit? And then like 90 different ways of how that could go horribly wrong and, you know, and to get into people's minds. Yeah. Uh, I, I suppose you could look at movies and get a reading on the, on the culture of the time, what was topical and what was new. And that certainly Jet said come in, uh, I guess in the 60s, uh, yeah. by the 70s, uh, those airplane movies began, uh, were, were funny. But, you know, what is funny? Funny comes back to funny. Uh, whatever's funny, uh, I suppose they say, no, we've just done that. That's funny, but we've just done Mad, 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 Mad World. Right. Uh, so we won't do that. But 10 years later, they do something else uh, that's similar. And every decade, uh, the, the the old jokes come back. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's matter. true. It's that you always think, oh, we're so evolved with our humor now. But then you look at old stuff and you're like, oh, I'm just making the same jokes. Yeah, it's just right. it's all cyclical right, you know, right, over exactly. and over again. Like yeah. all the stuff that... Airplane and Airplane Two, you know, like that. Uh, that humor went away for a while and then came back. Exactly, you know, sort exactly. of dry, really yeah, serious exactly. type of stuff. Exactly. Um, what was the? Um, I, I'm kind of curious what the, the 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 overall sense in the '60s were, where you guys were essentially breaking new ground with social um, social interaction, social mores, and you know. What was it? What did it mean to be a man then? Like, and, and a, not a man, an, an adult. Like, what did it mean to be a grown up in that point? And what do you think it means now? And what have you learned in that time? Well, what an interesting question. Well, I'm a child at heart. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I wish I knew what it meant to be a man. Um, you know, to me, uh, none of those things change. Those are uh, iconic principles. Uh, that that are involved. What is being a man? Well, you know, uh, uh, being powerful and hitting out with your fists and and making war or being angry and striking out uh, that isn't a man. Uh, uh, on in some terms, uh, you know, it's it's just it's a, such a complicated question. It requires balance. You have to protect. Your loved ones, mm-hmm. whether that's your child, your wife, your brother, or your country, you have to do that uh, to protect. So that you you may get into a fight uh, over an imagined insult to your wife. At the same time, you have to bear arms against the enemy of your country to protect freedom. So I'm so I, I I would imagine, and that means being a man. At the same time, the word empathy comes to mind, and that. To be a man is also to be empathetic about everything and everybody. Well, how do you go, how do you beat somebody up if you're empathetic? It's an, an, antithetical. Yeah. Uh, so there is a balance there somewhere, and I often refer to um, an experience I had uh, where I didn't know whether to stand on principle or to be political and and make adjustments. So when do you stand on principle? When do you say, this, I, I, this is as far as I go, I go no further? Uh, uh, if you say, uh, you know, uh, you can give as much money as you want to any political party, and the Supreme Court says yes, where do you say, well, wait a minute, uh, how do we keep money out of politics and let the value uh, where does freedom begin and, and, uh, and good sense? So there's it's always evolving. It's always changing. So being a man means being strong and being weak. And well, where that balance is, 
everybody has to find it for themselves. I used to, but 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 it never changes. Okay. I, I just I I've been kind of wondering lately if it has something to do with um, like you said you know not being not being a man or not being an adult is not get, you know like punching people in the face and going to war I think it's not ha- not whether or not you have strong emotions but I think not giving in to every strong emotion is where the but I could find a counter argument to that damn it <laughs> <laughs> well why not I mean <laughs> you're an emotional being why shouldn't you give in to your emotion doesn't mean that if you get angry you're going to go get a gun and shoot somebody but why shouldn't you display your anger this makes me angry yeah and and the person says well why because it's unjust what's unjust about it? The, the right isn't do what the left is saying well let's see if we can fix that is the other person being a better man than you? Or are, the you, are you commiserating and being empathetic and saying, wait a minute, you have a, a reasonable right to be angry about that. Yeah. Let's fix it. I wonder if it has something to do with um, uh, you know, what the cost of it is. In other words, it, you know, it does, it, are you giving into it selfishly? Does that create more damage than what you actually are trying well, to achieve. Then there, therein lies the dilemma of standing under principle or, or compromising. Yeah. You know, when do you say, I'm not going any further, uh, and you can't push me off this line, uh, whereby the guy says, well, if you just take one step back, I'll, I'll forego any uh, contretemps. And you say, okay. <laughs> you know? And then you have to make up your mind. Yeah. And then... Maybe you get blown out of the water for standing on principle and you get fired. Yeah. Well, it must be... I mean, I don't know how you guys as a group, the, in other words... You the, guys being who? The Star Trek community. Okay. Like the original oh, community. Oh, okay. I didn't know that you guys referred to that. <laughs> That's what I... You guys over, you over guys, 20, over 50? You so, guys. Yeah. It's weird that you didn't know in my head what I was picturing. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, your type. <laughs> I know your type. But, you know, essentially, that's like a band. And it seems to me to be like a band. So you have a group of people, but everyone has specific interests. So how do you keep coming back together over time and still manage and compromise and make sure that everyone's needs are being met? But okay, so that's interesting. That's interesting. Uh, 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 take the, um, um, the Eagles. Yeah. Okay? Uh, uh, that'll be like a neutral territory, how they get back <laughs> together. So, so I, I know Joe Walsh. Okay. And uh, so Joe and I have talked about it. In fact, Joe Walsh and I had this conversation. I said, um, I'm on tour uh, again with this one-man show, uh, Shatner's World, which, by the way... April 24th? April 24th at mm-hmm. the movie theaters. Theater near you? In the theater near you. Uh, 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 Shatner's World uh, Cinema. Dot com. Dot com for uh, information about tickets and stuff like that. April 24th. Unique event. You're going to love it. Um, what did Joe Walsh say? So I said to Joe Walsh, and we're having dinner, and, and, and I, knew, I, I got to know Joe through his wife and my wife and her, his wife and all that kind of thing. So I, again, my musical ignorance, I didn't know the Eagles, okay? So, but I get to know Joe Walsh, who's a great guy. So I know Joe as, as a person, not as a musician. So I say, um, God, you know, the, uh, on tour is really tough. And, I, and, and for me, I mean, just uh, getting to the venue is everything. The performance is nothing. It's how do you get to the next city? 
you got to get on an airplane. You get felt up by some, you know, you <laughs> take your shoes off. You get a van. You get on an airplane. You wonder if you can make it. Uh, there, there, somebody sitting beside you with bad breath. And you get on and you get off the airplane. Am I going to get where do I go? The, the, the hotel uh, bed is too soft. My back is hurting. Yeah, by the time <laughs> you get to the pit. Priceline.com. <laughs> so, so I'm saying to Joe, getting to the venue is really tough, isn't it? And he says, yes. I said, so I, I have a guy or sometimes a woman who, who uh, fronts it for me. It really takes a load off. What do you, what do you, what do you guys do? He said, <laughs> we have these buses. I said, I know. We got a bus sometimes too. But uh, no, he says, we have 17 buses. Oh, <laughs> oh, wait a minute. Oh, wait a minute. You're one of those guys with 17 buses and a private airplane. They get on their private airplane, fly to the venue, spend a week or two or three at some place where they, they're put up in a great hotel. You know? Wow. <laughs> so his view of touring and my view of touring is two. <laughs> Yeah, it's really tough. You got to drive right up to the plane. Yeah, get off. They land you on top of the building in a helicopter. Exactly. But those guys, like the, are they getting along currently? Well, so getting along. So they had different views of what they wanted to do and and departed. Uh, Now they are getting along, Mm -hmm. Uh, or or so we all think. Sure. Uh, And why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they? They're all older mm-hmm. the the things that bothered them when they were young and not quite in their right mind <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, no longer a, <laughs> right yeah. now they can see reality they just knock this mountain of coke <laughs> out of so I can hey, yell at you yeah, my exactly right. <laughs> 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 this would be fun uh, uh, yeah you're my friend why was that right <laughs> oh I remember you yeah <laughs> <laughs> so you got something here you got something here, <laughs> here, here, here. we all do we all do <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna die, right? We're gonna stay up all night. Makeup. It's makeup. It's makeup. Yeah. Makeup. Makeup. My nose is shiny. I'm always, I'm, <laughs> I'm always so interested in in um, in just the way that people evolve and how do you evolve together and, and maintain a relationship, not just with one other person, which can be challenging. Enough, well, that's bad enough, right? But how do you do it with four, five, well, six? Well, that's people? the problem. And everybody is evolving at a different rates in different uh, different places. That goes for a marriage. You're all evolving. We're, we're all changing. Uh, uh, we have vastly changed since the beginning of this conversation. Yes. Uh, and, and that's just our conversation. Yes, my girlfriend's going to tell me I should go sleep with the car instead. <laughs> <laughs> a well, lot has changed. You, you found the key to your car. Now you have to find the key to your girlfriend. Damn it! <laughs> oh, here somewhere. Someone with the dog on. Oh! <laughs> yes, so uh, how to change... Not how to change uh, without being separate. Yeah. How to change together? Mm-hmm. That's a huge, huge part of of marriage and a marriage of a of a group. Yeah, and and I would assume that a lot of it just comes down to compromise and being able to compromise. Right. So then you got the band leader, and 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 in the case of uh, of that band, uh, saying, uh, "I want my music." Yeah. And what do they say? Go fuck yourself. 
then you don't get the hundreds of thousands of dollars. <laughs> for, for, you know, you don't get your 17th van. Yeah. It's 16 vans. <laughs> I want 17. Well, I then do my music. <laughs> yeah, I guess it is. I mean, I don't even know if... Uh, it seems like you can get into these situations where you're fighting for something and you're fighting for something and then you don't even remember what you're fighting about. You're just like, I'm just fighting now. I don't even know what I want. Well, that's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. That's... That's bad energy. That's you got to learn. That's a learned response. Are you, were you, na- are you naturally a good leader or did you have to learn leadership skills? I think you have to learn all those things. You start out, when you're born, you start out thinking of you only. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then gradually you learn, to, wait a minute, maybe, I, maybe the uh, clan is uh, better off with me being amenable. Yeah. Uh, but those are learned responses. And then, depending on your DNA and your and your association, you learn more. Does fatherhood change that? I think so. I think fatherhood uh, uh, opens your eyes to many things. First of all, your own mortality, mm-hmm. which you're beginning to understand. Yep. And that'll condition you right away. Wait a minute. Maybe if I don't get excited about this, I'll last another six months. Yeah. And, uh, and, and then you begin to think about things that you might not have thought of before for your child, like a better world. Yeah. And so what do you, so you start thinking in these macro terms of how to make a better world for your grand, your grandchild. Well, at this point I'm thinking of like the legacy for my family You Mm -hmm. know, what, what am I leaving them? What, how am I leaving them? Uh, there's a, there's a terrible, a terrible event coming up, uh, uh, and I don't mean uh, April twenty fourth. No, that's uh, the, the good one. There, right? <laughs> yeah. No, in the years to come, uh, the 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 world is changing, and uh, in uh, enormous fashions, uh, drought and uh, toxicity and uh, terrible things are, are are happening, and the world needs the world is aware, but the world is burying its head because it's too awful to contemplate mm-hmm. uh, the things we have to do to to uh, try and stave off uh, global warming, which is just a term for global toxicity. And that's huge. And I'll be dead uh, uh, before that time comes, but my grandchildren won't be. And that's a huge subject. So what do you, what can, what do, you do or what can you do? Well, it means giving up uh, certain luxur- luxuries uh, that we all think of uh, and what those are I'm not quite sure I, I wouldn't ask you to give up your car <laughs> <laughs> you can't take it away from me <laughs> not now no. uh, you work you work too hard of no, course no, you no, care no, but <laughs> well <laughs> you, you got to reward yourself with something <laughs> Points <laughs> and I'm and I'm taken. <laughs> Can't give me away. There, you know, I don't know the answers to all that. There are much more in, uh, acquainted people uh, than I who know what it is we have to do. Yeah, but we know we have to give up energy uh, usage, and we have to uh, clean the air. Whatever's polluting the air and, and the ground and the water, we have to clean that up. Yeah, immediately. Because the, the ramifications 
from one thing lead to another. Global warming, the ice uh, melt, the ice caps melt, the cold water changes the currents, the currents change the atmosphere, uh, the uh, the die, the rains move north. I mean, it's all so related. Yeah. And the other humiliating part of it is that in the years to come, when mankind dies out uh, and other entities take their place, the the earth will return to what it is. Uh, our brief appearance on earth, we've been around 50,000 years, another few years and then we're gone. Yeah. Uh, life will luxuriate, promulgate the way it's supposed to. Every niche will be filled and the niche that we occupied as destroyers will be Occupied by somebody else. Yeah. Or if not, then you could go back in time and deliver two whales into the San Francisco Bay <laughs> by slingshotting around the sun. Uh, right. Would it were that easily? <laughs> <laughs> you know? and, and whales and, and elephants, those massive, marvelous animals, are particularly, uh, 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 I'm particularly fond of, although all animals and all, all things alive are... Our dear, uh, but those animals that I have uh, sensibilities, we know. Um, what are we doing to them? And all those questions. I know. Well, the problem. I think a large part of the problem is that uh, you know it's like it's like there, there's so many people are just moving in one direction. It's such a big entity. How do you turn it? It's exactly. Just, it's like turning a battleship. Well, and look at us. We're sitting people. here in this most marvelous country saying, oh, we're not going to, we're the haves. And then there's this large, huge, enormous number of have nots yeah. who say, wait a minute, you had your turn. We want some. Yeah. And therein lies the problem, uh, one of the problems. Yeah. Yeah. So you want me to give my car to? Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, I'm a have-not. <laughs> so it, it's massive. It's massive, and there's no simple answer, and I don't know the answers, but it, it, it's out there. So just as we're wrapping up, a couple quick, yes. maybe not so quick, but um, what is it that uh, what is it that gets you excited to get out of bed every day? And is, is it work, or is it creating, or is it is it your family, or like what is the thing? Yeah, all of go, it. Oh. I, I I love. I am in the position in my life, this enviable, enviable position in my life where I'm healthy, I'm of an age where I know I'm going to die soon, uh, so, you know, soon may 50 years. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Sooner than that, and I know, I, my, I know my mortality, and I know how precious every moment is. I know. And I'm healthy enough. That's the lucky part. I'm healthy enough to say, I'm, I want to eat it all. I want to absorb it all. I want to take it all in. I'm riding horses in competition and winning. Oh, shit. Oh, yeah. And that, too. A good <laughs> shit. <laughs> <laughs> my dad always said that, too. My dad don't, always don't, said... don't, don't disparage a good shit. <laughs> my, dad, my, dad, my dad had said that to me a couple years ago. He was like, yeah. I mean, I was stressing about something. I actually wrote about it in my stand-up. I was, like, I was stressing about something. I'm like, oh, I have to do this and this and this, and I just don't know, and I don't know if I'm doing well. And he goes, I'll tell you, buddy, any day you can take a shit's a good day. And I'm like... <laughs> and, and, and that was a couple of years ago? He hasn't had a shit in two years? <laughs> Tell your dad, drink a lot of water. (laughs) (laughs) But just just that idea that 
that you know now you, those are the things that you take for granted now. But as you start to get older, like no, no, no that's this is yeah, right. But but all that's part of your body, and you and you begin to appreciate your body. I work out. I feel the muscles in my body. My God, I've still got the muscles. I, I still can contract it and build the muscle and 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 still do a. a, a, a I was on. A, I was getting a a a, a workup. A, just a doctor's, you know, yearly visit yeah. this morning, and I'm waiting for him. So I'm on the table and I'm doing crunches, and he comes <laughs> in. <laughs> he says, You're doing crunches, <laughs> yeah, because I can feel the, the 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 ab muscles working, and I'm working the muscle, and and the fact that I'm not dribbling out of my mouth right now, <laughs> and, uh, and 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 I've got all my sensibilities. Is I'm I'm totally conscious of it, so that's what gets me out in the morning. Yeah, and, and the exercise is really, 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 really. Got to keep it going. Do you have exactly. a special? Do you do you eat well, or do you? Or do I, you I try. In moderation? I, I try. I try to. Yeah, I, I know I'm conscious of what I should be eating. I, I frequently don't do that, but I'm conscious that I should do it. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm uh, I'm there, but I'm aware to a large extent. Not to the ultimate extent, but but I'm aware of what I'm doing, what I'm saying, what 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 this means to me. This, the, the four of us, uh, uh, how many? Am I? We're five. <laughs> how how much numbers out. mean to me? Yeah. <laughs> how much I hate the number five. <laughs> I think the four of us can appreciate that. Yeah. Four plus one, six minus one. Either way you want to put it. <laughs> but but um, you know because there are. There are young old people and old young people. I love like that. my grand, my dad's father was one of these. He's a house painter, and then when he retired, like the day I, you know, the way that it was relayed to me is that you know, like the day my grandfather retired, it was like pajamas at four p.m. You know, and then that was it. And he and died. He, he didn't. Well, he lived a long time, but he was just always like from the time he was in his you know mid to late fifties, he was just an old guy. And not, you know, like he just didn't really... Well, he liked to go to the racetrack, but that was about it. You know, I just had my house painted. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's not one of the great jobs in the world. You're rolling paint. <laughs> no, no, but I'm about to make a point. It's, it's not one of the most challenging jobs. But on the other hand, when that house was finished, it looked beautiful. Sure. It looks beautiful. There's a sense of accomplishment. You finish painting that house... You've got, wow, I, look at that. I filled the cracks. I did the thing. I got the, and that house looks new. Yeah. There's a sense of accomplishment. Well, it, it Why makes... did he stop? <laughs> <laughs> Loves pajamas. He was an <laughs> asshole. Yeah. No, I think he just, because he hated his job. And he just, it was, he was, he was. He lost the sense of accomplishment. Yeah, I don't think yeah. he ever, I, you know, he was of an era of uh, that, you know, you, you worked, nine, or he was, I shouldn't say an era. He came from a mindset that was, uh, your job isn't necessarily something you have to love. You just do it to put food on the table. You work nine to five, you know. Once you get the pension. Ignore your kids, basically, which is what he did. Go to the racetrack, you know. He, he just, he didn't really have a lot of joy. His one joy in life was going to the racetrack, and it had nothing to do with his family or his job. And what I think, did he do at the racetrack? He bet, bet. Yeah, he just bet, yeah. So the thrill. Yeah, I guess so. Well, yeah. It had to be. Yeah, I mean, windless. Oh God, yeah. he's feeling something. Yeah, he wasn't feeling anything painting houses. Yeah. But and, and as soon as he didn't have to paint houses anymore, he did not paint houses anymore, and he just lived the rest of his life like an old person. 
by that you mean he wasted the, the rest of his life? Well, actually, I shouldn't say wasted because he maybe he enjoyed it. But I just mean... Well, maybe. I but... can't imagine going, I don't have to do anything now and doing nothing all day and being in pajamas by four and, and, and just sitting in a recliner for 40 years. Like, that to me sounds fucking terrible. Sounds terrible. Except that if you had to climb ladders all your life and your legs hurt and you still had to do it, and you had to raise your arms, which now are arthritic, and you got to you know, pull down, so you're on a ladder, and you're making up and down motions, and you get off, and you're covered in paint, and it's the smell of the paint in your nose, and you finally get home, and your kids sort of think, oh, here comes Dad, I can smell him. You know? <laughs> so he goes to the racetrack and gets a thrill, yeah. which he doesn't have. He's, uh, he's in the sun. I mean, the guys painting my house painted it white, in the hot sun of Los Angeles. Yeah. And I made it, wow. And I'm looking at the hot, uh, the white building, and I'm, I'm squinting my eyes because it's so bright. Yeah. They've got to be there for days while they're painting. So your, your, your granddad was, uh, you know, what was his thrill? It was going to the horses and, and seeing if his knowledge... Did he make money at handicapping? He w- he would make money and then spend it. I mean, he would give it right well, back. Well, I mean, he was always oh, on the you know. It was a, uh, on the it edge. It was a never-ending process. Right, right, yeah. But at least he's, he he stayed with it. He I did mean, stay he didn't with lose it. enough to not to go anymore. No, 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 no. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's, I think I think in the well, last part of it. In the last maybe like ten years of his life, he kind of gave it up. But uh, mm-hmm. but uh, he even gave that up. I think he even gave that. <laughs> up. Oh wow! <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> How dare you give an excellent counterpoint to my argument <laughs> about my grandfather? <laughs> How dare you make? Yeah, but you're you're good at that though. You like you, I, I feel like that's a, that's a good trait to have is is someone saying this thing is this way and then going it could be or is it maybe because of these other reasons well, too. And that's the beauty, isn't it? Because nothing is ever black and white except my house. <laughs> <laughs> now it is, yeah, because right. it's brand new. Right. Yeah, that is a really that's a, that's a really I think. I think the, the the exercise is the 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 physical way to stay young your whole life, but also, I think as we you wrap exercise out, exercise your mind, exercise yeah. your mind by not being afraid to welcome and discover new things, and that that is what the one man show is about. My one man show. If you were asked me to to give you a log line on the one man show, is say yes to life, and that one man, which by the way. April 24th. Shatner's World? Shatner's World. Shatner's World Cinema. Cinema. Dot com to find out how to buy tickets at a movie theater near you. It's an event. Yeah. It's a unique event. You guys are going to love it. <laughs> Even if it's okay. not near you, you should go. If you have to drive in your car. It's fine. You'll give them a lift I'll in your car. A lift. Uh, disclaimer, I will not give you a lift in my car. <laughs> <laughs> but so the, the ability to discover new things and also... The say ability, yes to life. Saying yes to life and the ability to be open-minded to not just be so rigid in your perspective that you can't go, well, I feel this way, but this other one, on empathy. Other hand, yeah, on the other yeah. hand, it's a great way to... On the other hand, I think is the name of the podcast that you should start doing. <laughs> where people come in with a very rigid idea and your goal is to essentially... What an interesting idea. And your, your goal is to try concept. to change their minds. That's a great concept. Right? Yeah, no, it's a beautiful concept. All right, we'll pitch it. Let's do it. Um, and then if you're like, on the other hand, I don't feel like doing that. <laughs> Let's go I can't on win on with this guy. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, oh, uh, William pleasure. Shatner. Absolute pleasure. Wonderful to talk to you, and it's been fun seeing you on Twitter. And then also, you guys are doing the Gishwis, the uh, the, the scavenger hunt, right? The big scavenger. Uh, you're making a team. I'm doing do something. Yeah. Yes, you're doing a big scavenger team. Shatner's World, April 24th. Uh, Shatner's, Shatner's World, World Cinema. Cinema. Com. Com. 
uh, and go see it. And uh, really great to see you. Thank you. And we end the show by saying enjoy your burrito, which is a phrase that tells people to enjoy their present as it's happening. Would you say that, please? Because you have a great, great voice. Enjoy your burrito. Perfect. <laughs> Absolutely perfect. Delightful. The end. Oh. Awesome. Thank you so much. That was great. That was great. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. Hey, you. It's Jason Bateman. Have you listened to Smartless? Smartless is the podcast that I host with my friends who are more like brothers. The super talented and funny Will Arnett and Sean Hayes is... JJ, JJ, well, JJ, why, yeah. why are you whispering? Well, it, there's, there's a pst in the, in, the, in the copy. But people are listening, so it's like... They are listening. Like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. In each episode of Smartless, one of us reveals our mystery guest to the other two. What ensues is a genuinely improvised and authentic conversation. Our mystery guests span... Our mystery... We'll cut this out too. Our Mystery guests. All right, here we, we go. We got a lot of big famous people from different walks of life. And if you're yeah, a Wondery fan, then you're going to stone. Yeah. Just you come and listen Tyson. to it. Yeah. We're on Wondery right now, and you can listen yeah. to us. And no matter what you're doing, you're at the gym or you're in the car, just listen yeah. to the podcast. Sean, tell them where they can find it. Follow Smartless on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Smartless ad free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Bye. Bye. Bye.